I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome along to the Rugby Pass podcast. This is the short ball with Scotty and Mills. I'm back, Mills. Yeah, you're back, bro. You are back. What's been happening? What have you been doing without me? Oh, McConey's been filling in. How's that been going? That would have been he, good. He sung. He sung on the first uh, he, on his he, first lot. He loves to sing along. I didn't realise he can actually sing. No, he's got a great voice. Yeah, we. I, mean, I, I put an order. It goes Celine Dion, James McConey, sure. The three greatest voices in modern oh, pop music. Shit, that's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah, he was. Uh, he got me a couple of times singing. No, uh, like his knowledge of sport is fantastic. I was just thinking, you know, short ball, rugby, but then he starts sort of talking about other sports, and I was like, oh, actually, I do remember seeing that. You know, football. That's right. Yeah, amazing. He's what we call in the business a tangential man. Oh, really? Yeah, he likes to. He yeah. likes to take you places where you just don't expect to go. You don't, and I didn't. Yeah, I, it I stumped me a little bit there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But I'm back now. You're in your comfort place. I am. You're caressing that microphone. <laughs> what are you, you are you don't you're like doing? That, no, I just don't know what you do trying to eat the mic sock. I don't know what you're doing with I am, it. It's, I'm it's, imitating eating an apple. Why are you imitating eating an apple? I just feel like an apple, mm. a red one. I had an apple this morning. Did you? You, you need you need a lot of vitamins, mate. What are you trying to say? Well, you've come back with this head cold <laughs> with or scurvy. Uh, I don't know. So you've either picked it up from the aircon off the plane. No. What's that whiskey you were drinking on the plane? The soju. Uh, can I just tell you something about um, the Korean people? And this is, I know I'm making a generalisation here, um, and, and it was very cold. I know our listeners in the north uh, at the moment are going through uh, a snowy patch. Mm. But minus 20 is an aggressive temperature. But the thing about the Korean people is that they love to turn the aircon up to around about the temperature of Venus or Mercury. Oh, really? And that included the plane ride home. So a Korean head cold on my last day at the Winter Olympics, <laughs> followed by a three-hour bus ride, followed by a 12-hour plane trip, oh. uh, all of which were air-conditioned to within an inch of my life. Oh. Probably the worst travel experience. I like to call Korean Air the starvation airway <laughs> because also uh, they don't feed you much on a 12-hour flight. They give you a bit of, uh, a bit of dinner and... Um, you know, it's all right. And then and then literally nothing. They just disappear. Well, every, yeah, every cabin crew member just disappears for the next eight hours. 
and you're sitting there, and if you wake up on a long haul flight, you're hungry. Generally speaking, are you, are you one of you're not one of those passengers that sort of keep pressing the old? No, I would get up. I would go, to, go the to the galley. The yeah, oh, and yeah. they're all sitting and having a chat in the galley. Yeah. But it's like I'm literally dying of thirst. I couldn't. The first time I went up, I couldn't even say water. everything was so because i'd had some uh, really confrontational korean cold medication too before i got on i don't know what's in that shit but wow we that'll get you did you bring some back uh, yeah i did i think it sucks every single molecule of water out of your body in order to dry your sinuses because when the pharmacist at the airport gave it to me he started laughing. That's a weird thing to do. Someone who's got a head cold and he orders some head cold medicine, the guy starts cracking up. Hand over your cash and he's still giggling as I left. I'm like, I don't know what he's given me. Oh, he would have been thinking, got this foreigner. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be back in rugby though. Although Winter Olympics, man. Oh, it looked awesome. So good. Some crazy suckers, man. Yep. I, and, you know, the great thing I got to watch the opening weekend, the opening full weekend of Super Rugby while I was um, over there and, and the games looked exciting. And, uh, you know, I was thinking to myself, can't wait to get back into footy. But by the same token, watching kids free ski half pipe, slope style, big air. I, I mean, an insane event, the Winter Olympics. I've been very lucky to go to two now. And, man, I just I cannot fathom how these kids even learn to do that stuff mm. without killing themselves. Yeah, yeah. Mate, I, I mean, I don't know how they do some of those things. I, I can, I, I barely sort of stood on Max's skateboard and let the dog sort of pull me. And as soon as it goes anything over five you're, steps, I'm, I'm you're out, no I'm good. off. You're no, no good? No good, mate. So, so that goes oh. what? For surfing, skateboarding, roller skating, ice skating, rollerblading, whatever. You can't do anything like that. As soon as you feel your feet have got no control over your uh, movement, you're, oh, you're done. I'm, I'm done. Surfing's not too bad. I'm up there, but yeah. the the thought of being on a skateboard on concrete, yeah, and getting faster and faster and being able to balance yourself, yeah, I'm out. I'm off. I'm off there. So if these kids are flying in the air, doing loops and whatever, yeah, triple man. flips. So get this. You know, I'm sure a lot of you listening would have watched some of the Winter Olympics. At least I certainly hope so. But I covered a lot of the half pipe stuff, snowboard and free ski. So the walls of the half pipe are 22 feet high. <laughs> Right. Now, that's high enough. But then they jump out of the pipe another five metres. So you can add another 15 feet plus on top of that. Yeah. So if you get that wrong, you're going to land on your head sometimes up to 40 feet straight down onto the bottom of an icy half pipe. Yeah, when you're talking ice, we're not talking this powder, no, powder no, in no. the soft landing, no, 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 are we? We're not talking soft landings. I watched the, I watched the Korean guy. He was... Uh, <laughs> It's not funny, but it kind of is. In practice for qualifying for the free ski half pipe, and this guy comes up for a hit, for a trick, leaves the pipe, comes crashing down on the lip of the half pipe, smashed straight down on his skis, he falls forward, knocks himself out cold, and he is motionless on the lip of the pipe. And then he just slowly, as if in some movie scene, one arm flopped over the edge of the pipe and the rest of the body followed. <laughs> he slid into the bottom of the pipe. And I swear to God, there's about 5,000 people watching. Every single person thought this guy was dead. God. Oh, gee. And you're like, what the fuck are these kids up to? Anyway, he, he survived. Right. Yeah, he survived. And he competed. And, and he did it. He, yeah, he got, got up and, and, and did it. Oh, shit. 
crashed out twice, mind, but <sighs> I'm not surprised. What about Nico Porteous, the Kiwi kid who won bronze in that event? The biggest trick he pulled in that pipe no one has ever seen done in competition. Right, yeah. He's 16 years old. Get this too. He crashed during practice trying that trick and was terrified about doing it. He gets to the final of the Olympic Games and pulls off a trick he's scared to do most, nails it. Only two other guys, said one of the judges to me, have ever tried that in competition. Tried, mind. And that is Alex Ferreira, the silver medalist, and David Wise, the two times gold medalist. And not even those two have ever pulled it off in competition. 16-year-old Kiwi kid. What a ripper. That is awesome. Champion man. He turned up to the, uh, to the post-celebration in a leather jacket and Speed Dealer Sonny's too. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yes, boys. <laughs> Me, oh, my. We better get into some footy today on the short ball. We're going to talk a little bit of controversy around cards. We're going to talk about the round of games from a Kiwi perspective coming up in this uh, week 2.5, 3.5, 2.5, whatever we are right now. We're going to call it week three anyway. Nilsy, uh, first of all, we, we spoke about this on our, our telly show Team Talk uh, just last night. Yep. The, the yellow card, red card, high tackle controversy, and we're calling it a controversy uh, because it seems to have been the talking point of, of the opening full round of Super Rugby. <laughs> uh, you know, talking with our colleague Steve Bates last night, he seemed to be in agreement with me. What are the refs supposed to do mm. in these situations? We are talking about a game that is on the cusp of having its own concussion issues, just like the NFL is, just like other contact sports have been through. If the referees aren't doing anything about contact with the head, who is? Yeah, and when you brought this up last night, I sort of thought about it a little bit. It took me a while to think about it. I thought about last night when I got home as well. Uh, I think different scenarios, okay? There's a scenario, and, and I was thinking in, in terms of the scenario where um, the right, uh, you know, Crotty got hit and then, you know, there's a yellow card. And, and I was thinking, well, as a player, you know, how do you how do you get yourself out of that? Uh, yes, he did hit him. Um, well, Crotty was going quite low. Well, how do you get yourself out of that? And it's, it's, it's you just can't. Mm. And so from a playing perspective, I was thinking, well, it possibly wasn't the yellow card. But then your point, you know, being, you know, hitting the head and things like that. And you look at some of the players that have had concussion. Well, I've been fortunate enough I haven't. And you don't hear the stories. You don't hear the stories of um, the, the things that those guys have gone yep. and are still going through. And so I, I came to the, I suppose, conclusion that the refs have to do what they have to do. And it's all down to technique. That's That scenario, the, the crotty scenario that I'm talking about, that's a little bit... Uh, different but I, I now believe that the refs got it right and they actually and Batesy brought it up last night they needed someone to come out and say that just come out and say well yes they, they got it they, they, here it is they got it right rather than spend this whole week this next week two three week, weeks talking yeah. about whether it's right or wrong yeah I agree with that point um, and uh, I spoke to Bryce Lawrence uh, New Zealand's uh, referees boss today and, and he's very happy to come on the pod so we'll keep you posted that um, hopefully we can get him on next week on the short ball so we can discuss some of these issues around referee communication with the public but, but let's just talk about that tackle rule at the moment because everyone thinks the game is well not everyone I'm going to I'll, I'll I'll correct myself here. There's a certain sector of the population, and it tends to be that same old testosterone-related, masochistic, macho element of society, that every time a player gets sinbin for a high tackle, the game has gone soft. 
I refute that. Mm. Absolutely refute that because uh, there is no one making this statement that would last 10 minutes <laughs> in a game well, of super rugby. And we're not just talking about tackles here. The number of car crash level collisions that our professional rugby players undergo every season and the New Zealand Herald's uh, Gregor Paul wrote a great piece on this a couple of weeks ago. The, the damage to your body is significant without even considering the attrition of high shots in our game. Ken Quarry, who's done a lot of work with New Zealand Rugby, posted a report today. It was a video analysis of head injuries uh, and tackles. And, and what's remarkable about this is, is the report made World Rugby uh, change its sanctions laws around high tackles, i.e. referees are more empowered to give cards yellow and red when the mm. tackles are high. But in this report, they conclude that 76% of all head injury assessments in rugby union are caused or come from the tackle area. Oh, yeah. What is significant about this report too is that the tackler is almost three times more likely to be concussed than the tackled player. Mm. Now, to me, uh, that doesn't really say talk a bit to the card issue and, and the dangerous tackle. But what it says to me is that we have got an issue around coaching tackling technique. technique. Yes. And the dominant tackle has become the most dangerous thing in the game mm. and the imperative to make sure you go high so you force a player backwards instead of going around the legs and letting them get the forward momentum, yeah. that has had a massive impact on our concussions in the game mm. of rugby. That is a coaching issue. Yeah. That is not a player issue. No, no, and you're, you're absolutely right. I mean... I was down when I was down at the first game, the Highlanders Blues game, and I was sitting, you know, on, on the sideline, sort of halfway up the stadium. And the the way these guys threw their bodies into contact, and that's purely because of that. They've, you know, from an attacking point of view, they want to win the contact. From a defensive point of view, they're wanting to smash the crap out of them to yeah. win that contact. Now, and some and one of them got knocked out because he just threw himself. Uh, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a attacker and so it's down to technique if you get your technique right you're not going to slide high mm -hmm. okay if you get your technique right um, you know you, you get your, your head in the right position now you, uh, you always I mean the coaches always want a bit of mongrel okay you, that's the physicality of it and that's perhaps what people are saying you know giving yellow cards you're going soft well you're not man the amount of physicality in the game these days is absolutely immense and mm. so you've got to try and protect some, these guys and Giving yellow cards for high shots for lack of technique, okay, yep. is, is the way to go. Ken Quarry uh, also, while well, he tweeted this paper, it's um, from the Science of Sport, and you can uh, look up Ken Quarry on Twitter. That's at Ken Quarry, Q-U-A-R-R-I-E, and, and Ken's an expert in head injury assessment and other issues medical in the game. The, the thing that he says here is that, you know, it, does a card and which is to the detriment of your team, as we saw twice on the weekend. Yeah. Um, the Blues suffered because of a card. The Chiefs suffered because of a card. Does that outweigh the benefits of a dominant tackle for coaches? Because we've already got rush defences, mm. so players are coming up quick mm. and putting themselves in prone positions. Yeah. We've got the dominant tackle issue, where you are rewarding players for dominant tackles. Yeah, yeah. Every, every weekday after a game where you're having your review, Players are getting big ticks for dominant tackles. Yeah. Sam Kane probably the best in the country at them. Percentage, yeah. But the dominant tackle, by its very nature, means you're going higher than you need to go in the tackle to start with. You can't lift a player, so the danger now of going low and actually having their legs over the 45 or over the 90, that's too high to go low. Yeah. It's too dangerous to go high. 
So we're back now to teaching players to go and wrap kids around the ankles. And also now you can't do the chop tackle where you lie down flat on the ground and, and let yeah, a player yeah, trip yeah. over. So we're literally legislating every legal tackle out of the game. <laughs> yeah. Because nothing seems to satisfy the safety of a player. If yeah. that's the case, yours touch. Yeah, I mean, when you put it that way, it's... But <laughs> it's, mean, how, it's, it's a really fraught situation. Yeah, yeah. and you say that, and, and that's the way when coaches are picking teams and they're looking at the defensive, there's certain criterias. You know, and the criteria is obviously, one, one of them is obviously the offload. Yeah. The ability to be able to slow that pill down because you've won the physical contact. Uh, and so that's what guys are looking for. They're looking to hit a little bit higher around the ball area and to wrap things up so they don't get the offload. Uh, the interesting thing also, you know, and speaking to Steve Jackson last night, they're obviously trying to adapt to mm. to yellow cards. Mm. And so what is that saying? You know, that, that's saying, well, guys, they're accepting the fact that some guys will get yellow carded. And so if you adapt to a yellow card, well, what are they doing to a, ye a yellow card? They're obviously not going to start smashing guys the way they are so there's obviously a way that they're looking at trying to mm. i suppose limit you know um getting another yellow card yeah look uh, you know i've been on record before and i've defended certain high tackles i defended sam kane and the irish hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Test a couple of years ago, and, and I, I remember... Um, you know, Gordon Darcy sort of saying, oh, I'm out of line and it's got to be about player safety. And, and I got my back up at the time and I thought, oh, you know, that, whatever. You know, it's a, it's a fair solid hit. But the more I watch and the more I meet players who have been forced out of the game, mm. and I'm not saying all of those no. concussions are tackle related no. and I'm not trying to conflate here. But what I am saying is that, you know, you have got to get the tackles down low. Corey Flynn was with us last night on yep. the show. You know, he talked about the fact that if you start a tackle at the upper arm, you're going to slip up. Yeah. If you start it below the elbow, you're not. No. Yeah. That's basically fundamentally yeah. the answer to this problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the one thing that I can say, okay, we're talking about the tackle, tackling and things like that, but it's the thing that really gets me also is the off-ball stuff. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there's an incident, uh, well, incident in the weekend, the Bulls versus the Hurricanes, okay, Forget the tackle stuff. It's all that niggly things. And I think, I can't remember who it was. I think Vince Ussel, you know, got one to the chin. Yeah. And they've gone upstairs to check it. Um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was the prop. And Marius Jonker up there. This is where the grey area becomes grey. You know, he's sitting up there looking. Typical swinging arm yeah. to the chin. And, and I assume Vince Ussel at the time has got nothing to nothing. do with the play. All, all he's gone and yeah. done is looked at the ball. He's on his knees, swinging arm, hits him in the chin. The ref has had a look at it because of the replays. Sure. He's then asked 
uh, Marius to have a look at it, which he has, and he's come back and said it's medium contact. Uh, that, that, exactly right. I mean, that, if you're going to swing an arm at a player, especially one who doesn't even have the ball, the, the clean-out area is a joke. How many guys get taken out not even anywhere near the ball in the clean-out area? Yeah, I mean, that's clear-cut, okay, yellow yellow card. And, that, I mean, they've got to try and stop that. But that just amazed me when he said mm. medium medium sort of contact. Yeah. It, it, it looked like that. Um, and so, you know, the Higginbottom, he, he went. He got a, a red card, I think. Um, and guys know, you know when you're going into contact what your, your intentions are. And those sort of things, they've got to try and stomp. The tackle is a little bit is a little bit different, but they have to try. Mm. And they have to do something about it. Yeah, I, I go back to our original point though, Millsy. I mean, you know, you've got so many contact areas in the game yeah. that, that carding someone for a, a high shot, whether intentional or not, and most high tackles aren't intentional. They're the knee-jerk reactions or you just get in bad position. Uh, it's one way to take an element out of the game that we know is particularly dangerous. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter if you're the tackler or the tackle ball player. If you go high as the tackler, you're more likely to get yourself knocked out. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the basic truth about that report and why I think we need to be very vigilant about, about how we attack or how we question referees around their use of cards in the game. It's got nothing to do with going soft. It's got everything to do with making sure that you can mitigate as much as possible yeah. for, the, for the natural contact of, of an attritional, competitive, aggressive sport. Yeah, sport. And, and I've got no issue with that at all. It's going to be competitive tonight at Eden Park. Mm. Me, oh my, yes, boy. Yeah. Chiefs have gone 12 straight undefeated against the Blues. Yeah. The Blues have won one of their last 23 against New Zealand opponents, although last year they never lost to a Kiwi opponent by more than dub, well, yeah, by double digits. Double digits or something, yeah. uh, we talked to Steve Jackson, assistant coach, last night, Millsy, and, um, and we just asked him point blank, have you guys lost the belief in winning? Mm -hmm. Do you not know how to win anymore? I, I don't know what it is with the Blues. You know, People will talk about the fact they haven't had a first 5-8 or they haven't had this or they don't have this. It is just a collective lack of self-belief in that team. It is, can't be anything else because on paper, every single season, they are at least the equal of every other team when you look at their top 23. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I said it probably what, just after Christmas that I thought that uh, the Blues would be good this year. Yeah, they have. I mean, last week they showed, you know, that was a fantastic game against the Highlanders. Yeah, they got the yellow card and things didn't quite go their way. I think the belief you're, you're, you're sort of alluding to is... It's those real key moments, and when you're when you sort of in the back of your mind, you know you haven't won against this team. All of a sudden, I mean, there was a clear one against the Highlanders where they got a penalty. I think they might have tapped it or something. They're clearly in the Highlanders' half, but they ended up back getting backpedaled, you know, forty odd meters, yeah. and yeah. then they started shoveling crap around. And unfortunately, in those moments, the Highlanders are just all over them, and so. Is there belief that they can get themselves out of that? And Steve mentioned, no, they do talk about, you know, the what ifs, what if this happens, what if that's happened, what's a contingency plan? But when you when you sort of know deep down that you've been in those times, you know, year in, year out and lost them, yep. it, it, there must be a thinking process there. The, look, the Crusaders will go into a game, they'll be 14 points down with 10 minutes to go, they'll believe they can win it. Yeah. The Highlanders will do the same. In yep. fact, we saw that last year against uh, the Cheetahs. Yes, yes. The Hurricanes have created that belief um, first under Hammett, now under Boyd. Yeah. The Chiefs certainly had it under Rennie. Yeah. The Blues are the only team you look at. They're 14 points behind with 10 minutes to go, and you go, the game's done. Yeah. 
And, and I know that sounds unfair, and I'm not trying to be. I'm just trying to rationalise what it is with this team. Because if the fans look at it that way and the pundits look at it that way, what are the players genuinely thinking? Think, yeah, You've been in teams before, Millsy, <laughs> where you couldn't buy a trick, right? No. I mean, how hard you tried. No. That is tough on the soul. Yeah. And there are players in that team who have been around long enough now to know that it is a grind with that, that team year in, year out. I mean, a guy is. like James Parsons, what, has he been to the playoffs once? Yeah. Yeah, and, and you say that, and all of a sudden something happens, you know, bounce of the ball doesn't go, then look what happened. Yep. It happened in the, against the Highlanders, that little wee chip kick, Augustine had it covered, bounce of the ball went the other way, try time. Last year when they played the Crusaders, they were up by a million points. Yep. What happened? The Crusaders came back, and so it does. Look, I, I generally believe this is a different Blues team. I, I, I absolutely, and, I, and I think they'll win tonight, but they've got to start sort of, if, if they can build on... A win tonight. Uh, next week they're in South Africa, which is massive. If they can do that, then I think it'll bring back a lot of that confidence that they lack. I agree with you. I think one win over a Kiwi team, yeah. start of the season, and all of a sudden it goes away. Yeah. The pressure goes away, the belief grows, and we start seeing the Blues play footy again. Yeah. I, I, do, I genuinely believe that. I mean, yeah. people could laugh as much as they like, but I, I know this team is talented. Oh, man. Yeah. And I know that underneath all of this woe and despair, there is just something waiting to break out here in Auckland. And by God, does Auckland need a footy team to actually deliver? <laughs> uh, let's move down the line. Uh, Rat Feeney and the boys are here with the Stormers taking on the Crusaders. Um, Crusaders last week just looked like the machine never stopped rolling over summer, mate. Wow, we. Man. Uh, and I mean, a lot of their sort of known players and more experienced players, you know, were quite rusty. But, you know, to pull out a performance like that and, yeah, I know, you know, and the Chiefs will say, you know, the uh, Chiefs supporters will say, you know, they're down in, uh, with one man and they're still quite in the game. But they just keep rolling out and rolling out and, you know, Batesy and we spoke about it last night on Team Talk, the belief that they've got and, you know, to go to that line out, okay, you know, they're down, they're up by three, go to that line out, miss mm. the line out. Mm. But to come back and do it again, yeah. mate, I'll be, I'll be looking for points. You know, and so it just keeps rolling on with the Crusaders. Nothing changes. You're on the shore, Paul, with Mills and Scotty. Uh, we're talking Super Rugby Crusaders at the moment. Sam Whitelock, here's a question for you, Mills. Is he the most effective captain in world rugby right now? I'd say I'd say he have to be. He, I mean, he is just calm, and he and he's, you know, often when you're in the game and in that moment, and you you you're up, you've got to sort of step back a little bit as a captain and try and think, and it's a hard thing to do. And but he's just all over. He knows what's going on. He's he knows when to win the moments, and he's got pure belief in his team. And there's a lot of and a lot of the guys just feed off that. And so I'd have to say at the moment he, he would be. Are the Stormers a chance here? Uh, South Africans' record at AMI Stadium, in fact, in Christchurch in general, is abysmal. Mm. Um, uh, this is a Stormers team that uh, I think won a lot of respect last year yeah. for the way they played the game, yeah. not just for their results. Uh, are they going to believe they can come to Christchurch against the defending champions and get the job done? Look, I, I think they've got to take some belief. You know, I think uh, last week they lost against the Waratahs in that last little play when they missed the line-out. Of, the, of all the South African teams that we've got, I think, you know... The Stormers are traditionally they traditionally travel well. You know, they, um, a lot of South African teams target a couple of games or one one game. So you know they've got to. Yes, in the back of their mind, they know these the, the Crusaders are the defending champs. But um, as I said, 
you know, I think that are, that are most, the well, they travel better than a lot of the mm. others. So you've got to give themselves a chance. Speaking of South Africans, what about Johnny Mitchell and the difference he's made at the Bulls? I mean, do we give him a bit of credit here? Because that is a big scalp first up for a Bulls side that has struggled in recent years uh, to come out and beat the Hurricanes. Okay, Chris Boyd said worst Hurricanes performance mm. he can remember in his tenure. Be that as it may. Yeah. The Bulls won that game fairly and squarely. They look super well organised yep. and tactically very aware. Uh, I, look, I, I know John and have a lot of respect for John yep. Mitchell. I know that um, some New Zealanders still haven't got over the events of 15 years ago, and that, that's okay. Some people were directly affected by that, others weren't. Mm. But, uh, you know, having met John subsequently and, and talking to him about that time with the All Blacks, I mean, he was 36 years old oh, really? when he coached the All Blacks. It's yeah. ridiculous that anyone was ever given a job at that age. You know, 15 years have gone by, Shit. and you'd have to say now that, that he's a middle-aged man with a lot of coaching experience. I think he's a genuine change agent, and talking to friends who coach with him at the US, yeah. he's got the US Eagles to the World Cup. Uh, he's come back to the Bulls as director of rugby. He seems to have that program mm-hmm. hissing again. Uh, I think the Bulls, and I'd love to see them back because I, yeah. I love the Bulls. I yeah. think the Bulls are super rugby from a South African point of view. I know the Lions have been top dogs for a couple of seasons, but there's something about the Bulls. You've been there, Millsy, no, to Loftus. Mate. It is a nightmare. Yeah, absolute nightmare. And it's, it is. You have to compliment Mitch and what he's done because, yeah, as you say, and, and a lot of what goes on in the coach is interesting when you talk to different coaches you need a bit of bad experience to come away a lot better. And, yeah. and when you say 36 far out, I didn't realise it was 36 when you took, yeah. took the All Blacks. And so, and I like the style. You talked about tactics that they went into. You know, last year, mate, they didn't know what sort of game they wanted to yeah. play. They got some big locks that wanna, they're wanna, wanting to offload. And it's it's becoming really evident now in the South African game, isn't it? That they're wanting, um, you know, to play a fast tempo game and bring a bit of skill. And obviously big mobile all, locks. Exactly. Lute so, de Jager's, you know, we talk about Brody Retallick over here, yeah. and fair enough, but Lute de Jager is a weapon. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I mean. Like, So he's obviously come in and changed a little bit of that um, tactic tactical awareness should I say mm. and and sort of upskilled them on their skill level because certainly it, it, it's uh, it's paying off and I, I suppose there'd be one person that's smiling and that's uh, Erasmussen who's just been given the Springbok coaching Oh, Ruzzy Erasmus, one yeah. of the great names in coaching. Ruzzy, Ruzzy. Uh, exactly right. Uh, Mills, we'll round out the uh, short ball today with chat about the Canes there in uh, Argentina to face the Jaguares. Mm. Uh, the Barretts start uh, together for the first time since Jordy injured his shoulder. When was that? Uh, last season, yep. semi-final time. Uh, so yeah, a big moment for Jordy Barrett coming back and, and Barton Barrett obviously getting his start for the year. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what that combination can conjure up. I, I thought it got tired in the last season. <laughs> it looked like it had just been drained yeah. of, its, of its genuine rugby essence. Yeah. But maybe coming back fresh, Geordie having had that November tour off, yeah. uh, Buddy having had a bit of a break over summer. I, I'm genuinely excited about seeing this work, and I think TJ will appreciate having Bowden there just to just to bounce off, really. Yeah, have a, a voice of experience, really, and to help him out a bit. Um, Brad Shields will probably appreciate that too. But I think Geordie, I think he'll be like he'll be fresh, you know, from a, a guy that was outstanding as a youngster last year and, and starting for the All Blacks at fullback. Um, you know, obviously he was hit by injury, but he's had that good time off now to reflect on that and come back buzzing again. So, whereas usually when you've gone into a really good season, um, you know, you kind of come back and thinking, well, I have to do that all over again, you know. Uh, so he'll come back hungry. They, they're going to need those guys to step up, you yeah. know, because they've got to get some points out of this tour. And 
you know, I know the, the Aguares are usually easy beats, but at home they're a different story, you know, especially with some great support. So, mm. and, you know, it could be if they don't come away with the points and to come back home, you know, it's going to be a massive ask being, you know, zero on the on board and three games under your belt. I totally agree with you. And the one place where the Hurricanes were beaten up last week was in the pack. Yeah. And this Hagwaters pack that has been named for this game, is uh, they're no slouches. No. And they'll be coming at you. So yeah, we'll, we'll watch the space. So that's the weekend of Super Rugby. Last things uh, today, Millsy, a bit of a note for a, a couple of our mates. Uh, Jerome Kano announcing his retirement from New Zealand rugby uh, at the end of this Super Rugby season and Wyatt Crockett announcing his retirement from international and Super Rugby. He'll still be playing in New Zealand for the Mako. Um Two great servants of the game. And uh, I guess... Uh, the mission now is to get Crockett to 200 Super Rugby caps. He's only, he's only 12 away. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's going to be huge. And, you know, I think um, Razor's already said they're going to get him to do as, mu- as, as much as they can to yeah. make sure he gets that 200. Jerome going over to France. It's, um, you know, two very good servants. And you think back, I was thinking back when I was playing with them and, and um, you know, what they've fed now and, and growing up and, 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 and matured in life and what they've given to the all-black jersey and especially their families, the sacrifice they've had to um, endure as well has, has been massive. So a bit sad that they're leaving, but also uh, happy for them too because they, you know, they're going to have a well step into the next chapter of their lives, which mm. is uh, something a little bit different. Not everyone gets to plan their own departure, do they? No, they don't. And that's probably one of the wonderful things about both of these players that um, you know they've planned it themselves. They, they weren't forced out of it uh, through injury or... Um, non-selection and that's what you want as, as a player and, um, and and being around that long you, you don't want to be sort of you know thrown out and, and forgotten you want to leave on your own terms and certainly these two uh, have done done their country proud and their provinces uh, and, and they'll do so on that note well said Milsey oh cheers mate no that's right. that's it for another week guys that's the short ball great to be back with you enjoy the weekend Super Rugby every match of course live and exclusive to Rugby Pass viewers get online rugbypass.com even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.